Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Praise God. We're talking about power from on high. This is lesson two. Uh, And briefly before I get into that, how many know that God is a faithful God? And that when he gives a decree, that that decree has to stand no matter what. And that we can't alter it, we can't change it, we can't stop it, we just have to walk in the light of it. And how many of you know in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, I believe it is, and verse 5, somewhere around there, that we are told, it could be 517, I don't know, it's, it's somewhere in there, it's just the book of Jeremiah. He established the sand along the seashore, did he not? For a bound that the waters of the oceans will not cross over. Remember he said that? And how many of you know they've tried when there's storms and, and hurricanes and all that, but they always got to go back, right? They've got to go back. They have to go back because he's established that decree. And so they can't pass over. That's why they can't pass over because God's word is so powerful. Amen. Well, every once in a while, I make a decision to take my family to one of the seashores to make sure that that's really happening and that God is honoring his word. So um, next Sunday, I won't be here because we're going to, our, our niece is getting married in Florida. And so we, we figured we've got to be there for the wedding. We might as well go early and make sure that God's word is being honored by the sand along the seashore. So we actually said to the Lord, we volunteer. It's only supposed to be 90 every day. It's going to be rough, but we want to be there to make sure God's word is being honored by the sand along the seashore. Amen? Amen? Just to let you know that. How many of you know we live in a fallen world? And this world is ruled by evil influences, spiritual forces of darkness, we are told, in Scripture, right? Quickly review, we talked about that. We know that Satan's the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air, according to Jesus himself. Well, this power from on high, God has given to us to deal with these powers that are beneath In other words, on earth, we're dealing with these powers below. And to deal effectively with them, we need power from above. Power that comes from on high. And you think about it. Where are we going to find this power? Where are we going to locate this power? Walmart? Max? Marks, rather? Thinking about my Mac donut. Well, is it possible that there could be a dollar general going up somewhere in your vicinity? They're everywhere. They've taken over the world, right? But I guarantee you, you will not find power from on high at dollar general. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That word power there is dunamis. It's the miracle working power of God. You shall receive this kind of power when? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Who's he talking to? Believers. They've already been born again. 
They've already been washed in the blood. Well, why is he saying they still need power? Well, what about him? Wasn't he the holy immaculate son of God? Did he do one miracle before he got baptized and then filled with Holy Ghost power? Not one miracle. But then he was empowered by the Spirit from on high. And when he was, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for, the, for God was with him. So this power that was upon him is the same power he tells his disciples or his followers that they need to receive before they too get out there and begin to advance the kingdom of God upon the earth. Well, where does it come from? Holy Ghost power. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Have you received the Holy Ghost? We need power from on high. Otherwise, we're going to be what? Just another religious group. But God wants us to be empowered by His Spirit so that we can fulfill the mandate to reach our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth with the life-changing truths of the gospel. Amen. Well, thank God we can receive power from on high. Well, is it available to all of us? Well, as far as Jesus is concerned, he made it available to every believer. When he was here on earth, he had a bucket list. And included in that bucket list was what? To make it available to every child of God that they could become the temple of the Most High God so that the Shekinah glory of God could reside in them. And we can have that glory in an earthen vessel. Praise God. Aren't you glad that's who you are? You are an earthen vessel. A jar of clay, but in you, you've got the glory and majesty of the living God. In my devotion this morning, I talked about Philemon, verse 6. There's only one chapter, verse 6, that talks about how we're to acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. Why? So our faith can become effectual. Do you want your faith to be effectual? Then we've got to acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. How many of you know it's easy to acknowledge the bad things in our lives? To identify the things that are wrong in our lives. Number one, you got yourself. Number two, you've got the devil. Number three, you've got your friends. Number four, you've got your family. Everybody else can acknowledge your shortcomings, your faults, your failures, inadequacies, and all that, right? It doesn't take much for that to happen. But to acknowledge every good thing that is innocent in Christ Jesus, you know what? We've got to be informed about that. We've got to get into the Word of God, find out what the Word of God says, and then start acknowledging it, declaring it, confessing it, proclaiming it, believing it, I am a temple of the Most High God. Say that with me. I'm the temple of the living God. As he said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Thank God I'm the temple of God. You're God's mobile home unit. Everywhere you go, you've got the Shekinah glory inside you. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Hallelujah. Do you think about that when you get up in the morning? Or do you get up and you just say, oh my goodness, not another day. Or do you get up and you just say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I thank God on the inside. I look so good, I can't stand it. It doesn't matter what I look like on the outside. On the inside, I look so good. Can you say amen? Do you look good on the inside? You're righteous, you're holy, you've got what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faithfulness on the inside of you. On the inside, praise God, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Woo. Glory be to God Almighty. Wow. Can you imagine that? You see, that, I wanted to sing that song again because you know what? You can come to a church service, you can hear somebody say, you shouldn't do this, you should do that, you should, and so on. Let God change them. 
Let God change all of us. Look into his face and be changed from glory to glory by the spirit of the living God. When you say, I surrender my life to you. I'm living my life to honor you. I'm establishing boundaries for my life. Boundaries I'm going to live by. I'm going to follow. I'm not going to cross over these boundaries because I'm a child of the most high God. And I want to live my life to please not myself, not others, but the one who gave his life for me. And so I'm going to establish some boundaries in my life. Moral values, character, etc., etc. I'm not crossing over. Just like the sand along the seashore. I'm being held back. How? By the decree of God's word. Touch not, taste not, handle not. Let no filthy communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good that edifying to minister grace to the hearer. And grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed with, unto the day of redemption. Amen? Praise God. Go to Proverbs chapter 6 and look at those seven things that the Lord hates. That's a pretty good boundary, wouldn't you say, to establish in your life? Whoa, let's live within those boundaries. You know, no deceit, no lying, no sowing, discord among brethren, etc., 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 etc. My goodness, I'm going to live by that. Guess what will happen? You'll be changed from glory to glory in your life. As we continue our study, John's Gospel, chapter 7, look at what it says in verse 37. In that last day, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, are you thirsty this morning? The rest of you? Saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of his what? Would that be the last place you'd be looking for rivers of living water? Okay. But this spake he of the spirit that they which believe on him. Do you believe on him? Should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. See, in his bucket list, in order to enable each person to receive the Holy Ghost, he had to be glorified. He had to die, crucifixion. He had to rise again, resurrection, and then be glorified. And once he was glorified, now he can send the gift of the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father, upon the people that believed on him. But the question is, not did he give the Holy Ghost, it's have we received the Holy Ghost? Have we received power from on high? You see, that's the question. It's up to us to answer, have we? Well, that last day, the great day of the feast. What feast is he talking about? Anybody know? You want a A, B, C, or D? <laughs> it was the last feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. The last of the seven feasts that Israel was to obey and follow. The first four, we have already been fulfilled, the first four in the spring, and we've got the last three coming up in the fall. In the fall, you've got the Feast of Trumpets. Anybody looking for that? When the trumpet is sounding, we're out of here. Anybody looking forward to that? Absolutely. Then you got the atonement, and after the atonement, you've got the Feast of Tabernacles, five days after the atonement. And the tabernacles, it's, if you want to just summarize it, you could say it this way. Whenever God wants someone to remember something, he gives them a natural thing, a physical thing that will make it easier for them to remember that thing. So what's he want them to remember by the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, it's basically teaching us to look in different ways. To look back, to look up, and to look forward. 
three things. To look back. What am I looking back at? How God brought them out of Egypt. How he, his presence was with them through the wilderness. And then how his power protected them. How the light of his glory and fire also provided for them heat as well as light and direction. So you can say it this way. Number one, they look back at the provision of God. They look back at his presence among them. And they saw how he brought them out with a strong arm. How they delivered them from the Egyptian slavery. And then once they got into the wilderness, you have to remember this. This is not a fairy tale. You're in the wilderness. Can you imagine leaving this country in which we live in and going somewhere in a wilderness? And in that wilderness, there's nothing there. Not even a dollar general. Not even one existing in that place. You are totally dependent on God for everything. His provision. His presence. So we're looking back. They're looking back and they're saying, thank God for what he did. How he brought us out. His provision. How he provided uh, 4,500 tons of manna every single day. 11 million gallons of water coming out of a rock every single day. Thank God for his provision. Thank God for the light of his protection, the fiery, the pillar of fire, the cloud by day, the fire by night to keep them warm and also to have them to have light. Can you imagine how gross the darkness would be? There's not a light. There's not even a flashlight. There's no cell phone with your light on it. it. Doesn't exist in those days. It is pitch black and dark, but not for them. Maybe for the Egyptians who were following them, but not for them. The pillar of fire was there for them to keep them warm and also to provide the light and they're looking back on that and they're saying wow he wants them to remember that and never ever forget that how does that affect you and me well did he bring you out of the world did he bring you out of death and darkness did he bring you up out of the miry clay and place your feet on solid ground did he deliver you from the powers of darkness to translate you into the kingdom of his dear son did he provide for you? Does he provide for you every single day of your life? Does he give to you? Aren't you thankful and, and appreciative to God for all that he has done for you? Is his presence manifested in your life? Do you know him? Aren't you glad for your salvation? That was number one. But then number two, we understand also they were to look up. We thank God for past history, but we can't live in the past, can we? You see, on the Feast of Tabernacles, they were to look upward. They needed two things. Number one, they needed natural rain for the harvest season. And to have a good harvest, you need rain. So physically speaking, we could say that on that day, they were celebrating something that would enable them to reach out to God and just say, we need the rain in the natural world. But also, it was a time that where they were spiritually destitute and dry. Even the Holy of Holies at that time was dry and destitute. You see, because they were under Roman rule, etc., they couldn't do all the things, but... The long story short was they were to look up for God to provide the natural rain and look up to God to provide the supernatural rain, the outpouring of his spirit. Many of them believe that as a result of this, the prophecy of Joel would be fulfilled that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh and so on. So they were looking for that upwardly, an outpouring of the spirit. Well, we can relate to that, can't we? Aren't you glad the day you got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and fire? Aren't you glad for that? But as you walk with God day by day, week by week, year by year, it's easy to get sidetracked because of the world that we live in, is it not? How many people turn away and walk away from God when the going gets tough? A lot of people do. 
Why? Because we're not doing what he said, that is to look for his face, to look to his face. Don't look to the left, don't look to the right, don't look what everybody else is doing. Lift up your eyes unto the hills from whence cometh your help. It comes from above, the creator of heaven and earth and seeing all that in them is. And just say, thank God for the natural rain. In other words, your physical provision. But Lord, I need something more than that. I need power from on high. I need your glory in my life. I need all that you have in my life, supernaturally, spiritually, to empower me to live the life that you've called me to live. So it's talking about a fresh fire, fresh anointing, fresh manna from heaven. I like fresh bread, don't you? Anybody here like stale bread? Don't raise up your hand, you might have a problem. But then. Fresh fire, fresh oil, the freshness of the Spirit of God every day in our life to rejuvenate us, re-energize us. Praise God. As the Scripture says, be being filled with the Spirit on a daily basis. And sometimes it's easy for us to walk away from that and not promote that in our lives. And then thirdly also, we understand that they were to look forward, to look ahead. You realize that there's something to look forward to? Paul said, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But what about them? They had a promised land that was right before them. You see, thank God you brought us out. Thank God for the provision of today. But there's something ahead worth fighting for. Something ahead worth living for. What was that? There was coming a time, see, Feast of Tabernacles, when God would tabernacle on earth with man. You go back to the book of uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 14, where it says, And the Word was made flesh and did what? The Word dwelt, tabernacled among them. What was it like when, Je when Jesus himself tabernacled on earth among men? It was like we've never seen anything before. When he came on the scene after he was baptized in water and filled with the Holy Ghost, and he went about doing good in all of Galilee and in, in, in the regions round about, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, and so on and so forth. It was like the world has never seen this before. If the books were written of the things that Jesus did when he was upon this planet, the universe could not hold or contain the books, we're told. Can you imagine what he did? But that's when God tabernacled on earth among men. Well, you know what they had to look forward to? That promised land says, in that promised land, I will be your God. And I'll be an enemy to your enemy, an adversary to your adversary. I'll take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. The number of your days I will fulfill. Neither will be any barren in the land, nor anyone cast her young before their time. Can you imagine all the things? When God dwells among men, it is a wonderful experience. It is a glorious time. And yet, they failed to enter in because of unbelief until Joshua came around. And then God raised up another generation of faith people and they got in under the leadership of Joshua. Wednesday night teachings, we're talking about that. We got two points down. We're going to continue on when we can. But the point is, they had something to look forward to. What was it that they could look forward to? God dwelling on earth among them. Well, what does that speak to our lives? You realize that you and I have the privilege of walking with God. That God dwelling in us, I will dwell in them. The tabernacle, we are the tabernacle. We are the temple of the Most High God. Yes, there's a third thing. We're gonna, it's going to be realized in the new heavens and the new earth. In the millennial reign of Christ, God will be on earth among men. He's going to set up his kingdom upon this planet. And when he does, you talk about a change that will take place. It's going to be a powerful change on this earth. He's going to fund his kingdom with the tithe. He's going to rule and reign with the fist of iron upon this earth. It's going, there's going to be peace like we've never seen before. You know, all the unrest that's going on in Israel right now, Hamas and all that that's taking place. He's going to put things in order. 
There's only one solution to all that problem is, you know what it is? The power of God, the presence of God. It's not going to be military power. It's not going to be political power. It's going to be the power of God on display. And you know what? I believe we're responsible to bring that power to light. Absolutely. It's up to the church to do that. But as far as we're concerned, when we gather together like this, you know what our earnest desire should be? God shows up. That we position ourselves in such a way so as to have God show up. Not that we came in, we, we sung a song and it was cute. And then maybe read a scripture and had a homily. And then we said, it's a little bit long. You know, we got to get home. The roast is burning. Look out. No. No, that we come and we get lost in his presence. I mean, lost in his presence. So caught up, we don't even know that there's a clock that exists. All we want is him. We walk through those doors and his presence just smacks us right in the face. We brought it with us. We're unleashing it now. And Lord, just change us from glory to glory. You see, when Jesus made this declaration, it was on that feast. And by the way, today happens to be the feast of Pentecost, as far as the Jewish community is concerned. Now, for us, I believe it's next Sunday. I kind of figured since I'm not going to be here next Sunday, we're going to talk a little bit about it this morning. Um, but it's Pentecost. What is that? When the advent of the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost and they filled each and every single one of them after it filled the room where they were sitting, then each and every one was filled with Holy Ghost flames of fire, right? Okay, here's what Jesus says. On that last day, the great day of the feast. Now, why is that significant? Because what he's doing at that particular time in John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37, he says that, look, I'm the Messiah. He's telling them. A lot of people say, well, he should have revealed who he was. He was. And if you're a Jewish, if you have a Jewish background, you would clearly know that what he was saying at that moment and that last day of the feast, he was saying, I am your Messiah. Well, how do I know that? Well, because you see, the feast reveals it. During the Feast of Tabernacles, what they did was the, the um, priest would go to the pool of Siloam and fill up pitchers of water and bring it back into the temple and fill up them in the basins. And they would pour the water Throughout the feast days, there's seven days of the feast upon the, the pavement, upon the altar, etc., etc. And they would celebrate the water that came out of the rock when they were in the wilderness. They would celebrate that. God wanted them to remember that. Have you ever been in a place where you're thirsty? There are places where people can't find clean water. Did you know that? It's contaminated water. And they've got to go miles just to find some clean water so that they don't, get, they don't die, you know, from bacteria and that sort of thing. Well, he provided for that. Can you imagine the water that came out of that rock? How many of you like mountain spring water? How many of you like purified water? How many of you like tap water? I didn't think so. It's a precious commodity, wouldn't you say? Don't we really need water to survive? Do we need water to survive? Can you imagine the drinking water that came out of that rock and that rock that followed them was Christ? Would you like to taste that water? Absolutely. Well, these priests took this water and they poured it out to remind them of what took place. And what took place was this water came out of a rock to provide for their needs. And God wanted them to remember that. But on the last day, the great day of the feast, there was no water poured out. Why was there no water poured out? Because it was symbolism. 
It symbolized the fact that God brought them into a well-watered land, a land that flowed with milk and honey, where he would be their God, they would be his people, he would provide for them, he would care for them, he would protect them, his hand would be upon them, that they would dwell in that place together. It reminded them that they entered into that place of the promised land, and God fulfilled his promise, and Jesus was saying, Is anyone thirsty? You talk about, he said it with a loud voice. He got their attention. He's saying, look at me. I was the rock. I'm your rock. The water that satisfied your father's need for thirst was from me. He made a declaration of it. I am the rock that the water flowed out of. You see, they should have known this. He was clearly saying, I am the Messiah. It revealed his messianic identity. I am your Christ. I'm the one that you were looking for. Secondly, this is after this, he goes right into, I am the light of the world. Why is that important and significant? The light of the world. He's not just talking about the light of Jerusalem, but the light of the world. You see, what they did was the practice was they had in the temple during this feast time, they had these torches that they would light up the temple with. But then also in some of my studies, I found out they had four 75 feet high menorahs, candelabras that were so lit and so bright that it could light up almost all of Jerusalem. It was so bright. And Jesus stood. What it represented was the pillar of fire. That was there in the wilderness that followed them by night. And what Jesus was saying was, I am the light of the world. Not just Jerusalem, but of the entire world. Both Jew and Gentile will look to me. I am that light. And you think about the third thing would be the, the future reference. You think about the new heavens and the new earth. What are two of the characteristics of the new heavens and the new earth? Water and light. There's going to be a river of life flowing through the middle of it, the new Jerusalem. Go to the book of Revelation. You can see this all laid out for you. And there's no need for light because the glory, hallelujah, of God will light it all. You see, all this they should have known. And when Jesus made this declaration, he was saying, I'm your Messiah. How can you not see that? You see how religious tradition blinds the minds of people and they can't see it? That's why the gospel is hid because Satan blinds the minds of people so that they can't see their need for even salvation. What do I need saved from? I was doing a funeral one time and the individual stood up after... I must have been boring that time. I, I don't know. I'm talking about heaven and hell and whatever else. I don't think it's all that boring to me. Uh, we're going to spend your eternity. It's not that boring to me. But he just thought up, he just yawned real big and just stretched his arms out. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of God. I'm not afraid of anything. I thought, you're foolish, buddy. You could say that right now, but one day you're going to find yourself in a place where you regret those words that came out of your mouth. Without a doubt. As if a man can stand before God. Flex your muscles all you want. Flex your intelligence all you want. Job tried sparring with God. Did he not? Didn't God put him in his place in a heartbeat? Hey, Joe, by what cords does the earth hang up there in space, in orbit? He had stopped right there and said, well, that's enough for me. But God said, no, 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 I'm not done with you yet. 
I've got a lot more questions to ask you, Job. And when he got done with Job, Job was humbled, wouldn't you say? He said, I've had enough. <laughs> Don't tell me anything more. But um, my point being today that, look, this feast it was important. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. One day, God's going to tabernacle with man on earth, and it's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. We're looking for the, the millennial reign of Christ when he lives on earth with men as well. And life's going to be a whole lot different when Jesus comes to this planet and sets up his kingdom. But on that feast day, he says, are you thirsty? What a question to ask. Is the answer yes? Well, what are you thirsty for? You remember the woman at the well? Why was she going to the well? To get water. Why? Because she was thirsty. But Jesus knew she wasn't just thirsty for water. You see, she was a Samaritan. Now, the woman had five husbands. Apparently, she was rejected because, you see, back then, it wasn't the woman that got a divorce. It would be the man that gets the divorce. They had to give her a bill of divorcement that God said to give to protect her life. Well, think about that for a moment. Here's this woman. Five times she's been divorced. The man she's living with is not her husband. And she goes to the well to get some water. And I'm sure all these thoughts are going through her mind. She's a rejected individual. What is she looking for? Maybe some acceptance. And Jesus knew what she was looking for, something more. And he told her, you drink from that well of water and you're still going to be unsatisfied. But I can come and give you some water, praise God, that will satisfy the yearning of your soul. And she said, give me this water. See, we can ask ourselves the question right now. What are we thirsting for? Some thirst for fame, fortune, success, acceptance. And the list goes on and on of all the things that people hunger for and thirst for. They want satisfaction. They, they want hope. They want peace. They want love. I want joy. And the list goes on and on about all the different things that we could really thirst. And when we say thirst, we're not talking about, I can just, you know, get a, a drink here because I'm a little bit. We're talking about something to where the tongue is sticking to the roof of our mouth. And I want something so badly I need it. I've been in the desert for three days and I'm thirsty for something. Because you see, God wants his presence to reside among people that are thirsty. Are we thirsty for God? Look at the book of Psalm 63 and look at the first uh, few verses. This is David. This is David speaking and saying this. Now, David was a man after God's own heart, but David did stray a little bit. How many of you know David strayed a little bit? Right? Mm-hmm. Some might think he strayed a lot, right? Okay. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek your provisions. Who's he seeking? Thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. That's pretty thirsty, wouldn't you say? All we got to do is turn on our faucet and we've got water coming out. You know, you could just adapt yourself to that in such a way that we take really for granted the fact that I could just turn on my faucet and I got water coming out. How many of you like hot showers? How many of you like freezing showers? I didn't see one hand go up yet. 
But we could take so much for granted the fact that in our homes in America, we just go and turn on the water and there it is for us. Well, he is saying, look, when we thirst for these two things, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. And then in this, these verses, he's talking about the fact that, look, I want you. I want your power. I want your glory. I want to see your face. I want your presence in my life. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not going to find that outside. I'm not going to find that in entertainment, social activity, and all that. In other words, when we gather together in church, and all these things are wonderful, don't get me wrong. It's nice to have fellowship. It's nice to, to get together and, and talk with other people, have entertainment and social activity and all that, and, and that's part of who we are. But it cannot take the place of a strong, earnest desire and a thirst for God manifesting himself, his presence in our lives. Can you say amen to that? That should be exalted to the top of the list. This is what I long for. This is what I desire. And David said, man, I recognize that. I miss that. I'm not going to find that out here where I'm at. He may have been running from Saul and all that, but he cried out to God because I want what I saw in the sanctuary. Your power on display. Your glory on display. I want to see you face to face. That's what he longed for. And what God is speaking to our hearts today in this time in which we are living... Do you realize what we're living in right now is the very end of this age? And we know that Christ is coming soon. And it's indicative anywhere you look, everywhere you look, what's happening in society, what's happening in the world, uh, in our culture. Look at the change in our culture. You think about our nation. Do you think that we got to where we're at right now because it was some big boom that happened? It was a little bit by little bit departing from what is most important in our lives, in our churches, in our nation. You know, they want God out of our society and have worked strategically and very hard to really eliminate God from our society. You know that as well as I do. Is that not the truth? And little by little, it's all been eroding, hasn't it? Little by little. And we think we're going to get the change to take place by doing some small things that we can do. It's going to take more, let's say, more than just a, a voting booth to achieve that. It's going to take a church ablaze. It's going to take a people of God on fire. It's going to take hungry hearts that set aside my wants for his wants. And say, I'm surrendering my heart to you, my life to you, my family to you, my all to you, my church to you. As far as I'm concerned, when I gather together with other people, I want us all to catch the same fire. The flame of God burning brightly within our souls. That we want the presence of God in such a way so manifested that people know the truth. That they can walk through these doors and get saved, healed, delivered, and set free and made whole. Um, I want to skip ahead, if you wouldn't mind, turning to in the book of Psalms. It's 70, what is it, 71? Yeah, verse 18. Notice this. Now also when I am seasoned or old or gray-headed or color my hair to hide it, 
Hey, let's be truthful. <laughs> now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and your power to everyone that is to come. We need to read that again. Now also, when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation, thy power to everyone that is to come. How many of you know that religion denies the power of God? Religion has a form of godliness, but it denies the power of God to change a human life. You realize that? And he is saying this, we have an obligation, we have a responsibility. Every single one of us in the body of Christ has a responsibility to show the next generation the power of the Most High God. God's not all about just coming together and sitting down and having a homily and going up and going back home. And once a week he shows up, maybe, if we allow him to show up. No, God is all about, I want you. I want to consume you. I want my fire in you. I want to be a flame in you. And everywhere you go, I want my word to pour out of you, anointed by my spirit, so that you can speak into the lives of people that God is alive, that God saves, that God heals, God delivers, and God sets free, and God makes people whole, and God changes human lives. You don't have to be an addict anymore. You can be delivered. You can be set free. You can be raised up out of that awful place. God has a place for all of us in glory. And he wants us all to demonstrate that no matter who we are, where we come from, our walk of life, our background, he's more than enough to meet our every need. Amen. And we need to let the next generation know. You know why things erode and slip away? Because we're not teaching our children. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Why do you think God gave them those mandates? You celebrate these feasts because we want your children to know. Go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and what does it tell you? It tells you this, when you have come into the land that I prepared for you, I want you to sit down with your sons and daughters and teach them diligently my word so that they understand and know my ways, my principles by which they are to conduct themselves. And they are in the, with an understanding of my presence and my power in their lives. And when they come to you and say, oh, mom and dad. Why do we take this sacrificial lamb all the time once a year and we kill this thing and we did that, that we go through this Passover business? You let them know that we were slaves in the land of Egypt. And God sent Moses to the Pharaoh and said, let my people go that they might serve me. And he wouldn't let them go. And so God says, you go tell them that I am, the I am have sent you. And you go there and I will show my power. I will demonstrate my glory to them. And line upon line, precept upon precept, the 10th plague, plague came and they, they lost their firstborn. And finally they let them go. But you know what? They still wouldn't have anything to do with it. They chased them down. And when they chased them down, the God that we served defended us, protected us. And thank God we were free. And we got to a Red Sea, and it, thought, it looked like the enemy had won, but our God parted the waters of the Red Sea. We went across on dry land, and by the way, the rock that followed us was Christ. He's the one that brought down the manna from heaven. He's the one that brought the water out of the rock. He's the one that made provision for us. He's the one that brought the fire of the Holy Ghost to provide for us. Let them know, you can't make it without Him. And there's a place for all of us in eternal glory. And look, at you're only living on this earth for a short period of time. And that short period of time, when you live upon this earth, you've got to decide where you want to be in eternity. Period. And that's the bottom line. We're living in the land of the dying, and every day, one day, we get closer to death. One day, we're closer. And who knows what tomorrow brings. What's most important is what? Where we spend our eternity and where we, our children spend their eternity. 
And you know what? If you think we need to know God right now, can you imagine should Jesus Terry is coming for even, let's say, 10, 15, 20, 30 more years? What will this nation look like in 10, 20, 30 years from now? They need to know God. They need to know his power. What are we thirsty for? He says, are you thirsty? You know, the Lord spoke to my heart this morning. Then tell them, come to me and drink. It's time to start drinking. He's the provision. He's our portion. He's our everything. It's looking into his face and peering into his eyes that we're changed into his image and likeness. He wants to provide for us and care for us and meet our every need. But what he wants is surrendered hearts and surrendered lives. He wants us to come and just say, I'm laying it all down. I want you in my life like I never have before. I want your power, your presence. I want your glory. I want your Holy Spirit to come into me. You know, I, I hungered and thirst, first of all, for salvation. I had a thirst for salvation. I didn't want to be lost to eternity. I don't know about anybody else, but I didn't want to go to hell and burn in hell forever. It didn't sound like it was a good proposition to me. What about you? Anyone? Any takers on that? So I got saved. It took a while, but I got saved. But then you see, I started to go to a full gospel church in Niles, Ohio. And when I went to that church, I don't know, there was a meeting like this and there was an altar call was in at night service. And the fellow just said, whatever you want, what's your desire? Come to the altar. And I went up there and I just said, you, I really don't know what I want. But I, you know what I want? I want as much of God as I can have. I want more of God in my life. He said, are you filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues? I said, no. That's what you want. I said, really? You ready for this? I knew nothing about it. But let me tell you this. You know why he saved you? To make you a temple. When he made you the temple, you know why he made you the temple? So his Shekinah glory can, like a lightning bolt, come out of heaven, like a cloven tongue, like as a fire. It hits you on the top of your head and go right into your being. You see, you get washed in the blood for, to save so you can be fit for heaven. You get filled with the Holy Ghost and fire so you can be fit for service Amen. when you live your life upon the earth. So when we don't get filled, what we're saying is this. I want heaven, but I don't want to serve. Because if you're going to serve, you and I need empowered to serve. Can you see that? I want empowered to serve. I want power to stand against the evil forces of this world. I want power to overcome persecution and temptation. I want power to serve the living God with abilities beyond human scope, with abilities beyond what I possess. I want you to come in by the power of your Holy Spirit. I want you to occupy a place and space in my life. I want to be your living temple upon this earth. And I want you to manifest yourself in me and through me to touch the hearts and lives of people everywhere I go. That's why I live. But you see, he needs our permission. So I went and I said, that's what I want. He said, okay, kneel down. I knelt down and they laid hands on me. Oh, it took, I was a hard case. It took 45 minutes for me to get something. You, a couple of weeks ago, you got here at the altar in a flash just like that. Because I wasn't instructed or informed. But you see, when I said yes to, the, to surrender my heart and life to Jesus, that's when the power came down. Not only did I speak in tongues, but my tongue was a flame. And little did I know there would be an impartation of a gift of the Spirit that would enable me to rise up above my, let's say, shyness, my inability to speak in front of people, and anoint me and empower me to speak for God. Never would have dreamt that would have happened. 
God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things with them. Moses said, I can't do it. He said, who made your mouth? So you can't speak because you you got this impediment in your speech. Who made your mouth? I did. Stand up and go for me. No matter what you're looking at right now, no matter what you're going through right now, I'll tell you what, do this. Take this opportunity this morning to say, you know what? I'm going to set all that aside. I'm going to look into the face of God. I'm going to be honest with myself and honest with God and people around me. Am I sold out to God? Let's all stand together. Am I?